0: Ephesians chapter 4 and verses, uh, well really the, chap, the whole chapter there is such a, an apt description of what God's, uh, God's purposes are for the church. Um, and Paul starts out in Ephesians chapter 4 reminding us of the unity that we have. And although there is not going to be a uniformity in any church, it's never existed. Where everybody looks the same and thinks exactly the same. There is a unity that Paul sketches out here in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. That reminds us of the four the, the core truths that have to be true of all believers. That reminds us of, of what brings us together. And then in verses 7 through 11. Paul talks about the gifts that Jesus Christ through his atonement purchased for the church. And specifically those gifts here, he doesn't list in in category form like he does in other passages, such as Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, but he lists them as people, specific people and roles. And in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says this, And he gave some apostles. Now, why did he do that? The answer to why he gives these gifts these folks, is revealed in the previous verse, the last phrase. What does it say? That he might fill all things. It's on that truth there, that he might fill all things, that Paul then says, and he gave. So in order for this to happen, that Jesus fills all things, Jesus gives these people with these roles. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers now that in the in the original language the greek language that pastors and teachers the grammar there uh, uh puts those two together and you can almost put like a slash between the two pastor slash teachers all right it's one one thing in the in the grammar and now he's going to tell us why he gave them why he gave them now remember in verse 10 he says that he might fill all things and he gave these for that purpose and now verse 12 says for this for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. That word perfecting is the word karterdizo, uh, and it means for the equipping. It means uh, uh, it's a word that is used um, of, of somebody who, who who fills what is lacking, who who who's, who who it's even used of a broken bone. You set a broken bone to heal and and, and, to, and to restore that to its purpose, original purpose. So he gives these leaders for the equipping of the saints, the perfecting of the saints. For what? For the work of the ministry. For the edifying or building up the body of Christ. So he he, he sketches out the job description, so to speak, of these roles here. And specifically, since I've showed you um, uh, earlier here uh, what an elder is, the the the, the overlap between the two, ter- the three terms of, of of an elder an overseer, or translated a bishop, and probably most of your translations here, and then the third um, that is used this is the only time it is used here as a as a noun that I'm aware of, pastor. Um, but another place it's used as a verb, to pastor. Those three terms, those are synonymous terms, they mean the same thing. And so we looked last time to see that elders are the leadership of the church. I'm using the term elder because that is the word that is by far used in the, in the New Testament to describe the role of what we have, uh, in America have come to call pastor or, and, and other cultures as well but elder is a term that is used most frequently and so uh we we said that elders are the leadership of the church but secondly they share the leadership of the church there is a there is a sense in the new testament and and a far more weight in the new testament to this idea that there is what we would say a plurality of elders shared leadership not just a single elder but shared leadership particularly as 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 a body is is larger there's shared large, uh, shared leadership there. And then the last time, before I had a couple weeks of hiatus in between this series here, we looked at the character qualities of the elders in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And what that means for the, for the, for the qualifications for, for the men that God is, is raising up to be elders in a church. Now I want to speak this morning about the role of the elders. What do elders do? And I want to show you that Elders fulfill the leadership of the church. That word fulfill there, I think, comes from verse, 11, uh, verse 10, that he might fill all things. Uh, it comes from verse 12, for the perfecting, the, to, to, to fix what is lacking, to, to um, uh, continue to build uh, the saints. But here in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, you have the job description of an elder. Described here in verse 11 as a pastor teacher for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Now, when you compare a church to a business, there's a lot of things that might be similar and a lot of things where that breaks down pretty quickly. But if you could just bear with me for the sake of illustration, and it breaks down quickly as I mentioned. uh, uh, Imagine that the church was a business. Who would the owner be? Jesus, right? God himself. Jesus. Who would the Employers. Who would the employer be? Who would be the leaders of the church? And I believe the elders of the church. Who would the employees be? Yep. Verse twelve, right? Saints, right? Saints together. All right. Now, if the employer did all the work and the employees didn't do the work, how successful would that business be? Wouldn't work, would it? I'm not going to ask you who the customers are <coughs> here. It's, it's each other, and it's, the, and it's the world around us, isn't it? What is the employee's job, employer's job? What's his relationship with the employees? It is to help the employees to do the work of the owner, right? What the owner expects. And that's the idea here. Ephesians chapter four, verses eleven through sixteen. God has given some, and I'm just going to focus on this: pastors and teachers for the perfecting, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. That's the idea of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. That is the role of pastor, teacher here, elders to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And when does that end? That ends in verse thirteen, right? Till until. We all come in the unity of the faith. That's what he talks about in verses 1 through 6. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or complete man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we haven't arrived there yet, so we've got a lot of work to do, and it probably won't end until Jesus returns. So this is a perpetual work, isn't it? But what is the purpose for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry and the edifying of the body uh, through these elders and these uh, employees coming together and doing the work what's what what's the goal there verse 14 that we henceforth be no more children we grow up we're not immature you know there was a i have a friend who um uh is honoring uh one of his elders who has been a part of their church for 50 years and um they'd seen many pastors come and go Rocky times, good times in their church. Or oh, this couple has just been faithful. They're, they're just stalwart people in church. We have folks like that in this church, and I praise God for them. They're, they're not tossed to and fro here. They, 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 are, they, are, they are pushing on. Henceforth, no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sleight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But, and here's the work of the ministry he's talking about in verse 11, I believe. Speaking, the truth and love, speaking the truth and love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working, the measure of every part, make an increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. You might ask yourself, um, what is that? Truth that he's talking about that we're supposed to speak, speaking truth in love. What is that? This means we're supposed to just say the truth of Scripture um, with a loving attitude. It's part of it, but I think it's something also um, that is that is that is that is more specific. If you look later on in the chapter, go with me down to verse twenty, <clears throat> reminding this is your. Don't don't walk like your your old identity that walk in your new identity says verse 20 but ye have not so learned christ if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught in him by him as the truth is what in jesus what's the truth in love it's jesus speaking the truth in jesus in love the truth that is in jesus that ye put off concerning the former conversation with the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Now he's going to expand what that truth in Jesus is. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So the first thing I want you to understand this morning, the job of the pastor is not to manage this, 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 or this. Although he's an overseer of the church. All right, elders are overseers, but but if we understand that ultimately the job description of the pastor is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, we would be on the right track. We would be pressing forward. We can get everybody on board with that—that the job of the pastor is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry—and that is that that is in line with the teaching of the church in the New Testament. Now, you're saying, well, "Well, how does that happen?" What does that mean? What does it mean to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry? And for that answer, I'd like you to go to Acts chapter 20, please. Because in Acts chapter 20, Paul has labored in Ephesus for a few years. He has built up an eldership. He has trained and equipped qualified men to hand over the church As they have served and been taught alongside of him uh, to, to, to carry on the work in Acts chapter 20. And verse 17 says this. Now as I read these verses, I want you to notice the times the word of God is mentioned. It is mentioned in a variety of different synonyms. It's mentioned, even implied, in many different ways. But I want you to see this morning that if the job of the pastor teacher, the elders, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, that his standing has to be the Word of God. That is how that comes. So in Paul's uh, um, instructions to these elders, it's like, they're thinking they might not ever see him again. And so Paul's going to give them whatever he can give them to help them accomplish this task to equip the uh, church at Ephesus to do the work of the ministry. And I want you in your mind to have a little bell that goes off every time you hear uh, talk about the Word of God or implying teaching, etc. here about the Word of God. Ready? And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house." testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ and now behold I go bound in the spirit into Jerusalem not knowing the things that shall befall me there Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me but none of these things move me neither count I my life dear he says none of these things are going to distract me from my purpose I'm not going to be moved this is my purpose threats of persecution, imprisonment, etc. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and a ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take to you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over to which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. It's the word again, bishop, Presbyters. All right. To feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So he said, here's what I've done in verse 27 up through verse 27, 70-27. Here's now your job. I'm passing it on. The elders, take heed unto yourselves, watch your own life, watch the life of the flock, because the Holy Spirit's made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Why? For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in, notice he says, among you even, among the elders even, not sparing the flock. And of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. Remember, Ephesians 4 says the pastor teachers serve for the equipping of the saints to the work of the ministry and for the edifying the building up of the body okay verse 32 tells us again how that happens here in Acts 20 the word of his grace that's a phrase for the gospel which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver, gold, or apparel. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them which are with me. I have showed you all things so that, that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. They all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake they should see his face no more they accompanied him unto the show I want to talk to you this morning here as we um, uh, flesh out what does it mean that a pastor teaches to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry and edify the body of Christ I want to talk to you this morning about shepherding leadership shepherding leadership Alexander Strzok who wrote a very thick book on elders and uh, really, one of the classic works on, on elders in our modern times is this. What a colossal failure it is for church shepherds to do everything but feed God's flock. The Bible is the believer's my writing there, tool. Continuing nourishment through the milk and meat of God's word is what they need for protection and growth. Loving leaders and teachers will labor diligently to meet that need. I want us to see this morning that elders are to uh, uh, produce shepherding leadership under Christ as, they're, as Christ under shepherds. There are four things that I think help us understand what it means in the task of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And the first is this. Know the sheep in order to relate their lives to the word. Know the sheep to relate to the word. Let me put it in, in, in very blunt farmer terms. The elders need to smell like sheep. Need be with the sheep. Know the sheep to relate to the word. Look look what he says in verse nineteen of Acts twenty. He says, You know how I lived among you. Um, verse twenty he says, I, I, I taught you from house to house. Verse twenty eight. He says, pay careful attention or take heed. Take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock. Take heed. Verse 34 and 35, he says again, you know uh, how how I was. Know the sheep to relate to the Word. Elders can't help sheep. They can't help strays until they know the sheep and I understand that with the word of God you can help anyone but um, uh, one of the tasks I've discovered um, in counseling and uh, I was listening to uh, one of the uh, uh, more well-known counselors uh, said one thing I've come to learn is that if I have someone, a client who approaches me for counseling I'm not going to launch into them and tell them how they're going to fix all their problems. I'm going to listen, and I'm going to listen, and I'm going to listen. Francis Schaeffer said, if I had an hour to spend with somebody to share the word of God with him, to share the Bible, the gospel with him, he said, I'm going to listen for 55 minutes. In the five minutes, I'm going to share the gospel. We need to know the obstacles we need to know the, uh, the, 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 uh, the patterns here so that, so that sheep uh, as it can be equipped to do the work of the ministry. What is keeping them from that? What fears, what pride uh, is keeping them from doing the work of the ministry? Uh, what are their gifts? How has God uh, enabled them to do the tasks that He's called them to do? And so shepherding leadership needs to know the sheep to relate to the Word. And I fall false, far short in this. The second is shepherding leadership needs to feed the sheep to be satisfied with the word of God. There is a sense that a shepherd needs to be able to feed the sheep so that they can feed themselves and they don't need him as much. There's a tension there, I understand. God's given us leaders for us because we need them. the same sense, God wants us to have responsibility as well. We need to feed the sheep to be satisfied with the Word of God. Look at verse 20. He says, i de- declaring to you and, 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 and teaching you. I showed you the things that I, I showed you. I, I kept back nothing that was profitable. I showed you. I've taught you publicly. Verse 21, he says, testifying. Testifying what? The Scripture. The Word of God. God's counsel. His plan. The Scriptures. He says in verse 25, proclaiming the kingdom. Proclaiming the kingdom. And it's interesting that on the heels of that, where he says, I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, that after that he could say, um, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. See, the kingdom of God is all-encompassing here. From Genesis' revelation, you see the kingdom of God, God's work here. Proclaiming the kingdom. The word of God. Teaching the truths of God's word. Verse 27, he says, declaring... I'm not shunned to declare unto you. The, 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 again, the teaching, the counsel of God. Verse 31. He says, therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn. That, you, that can be translated admonishing. Every one night and day with tears. Admonishing. All of this is about the word of God. And verse 32. Talks about. I'm going to hand you guys over now to God and to the word of his grace because I know that's able to build you up in them It will build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified the word of God grace is able to build you up elders and it's able to build those up that you're laboring among who also share that same inheritance he says the word of God and why is this important well <clears throat> I brought this out this morning in Sunday school but if you look uh, and in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it is the means of the Word of God that equips us into the people we need to be. And obviously, it is not enough for us to only have our personal study time. And I want every person in this room to have their own personal study time in the Word of God. So don't throw the baby out with bathwater here. All right? But it is not enough. Which is why we gather together under the teaching of God's word. All right? Because Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect. That's the idea of completeness. Equipped again. It's the same idea. Equipped, thoroughly furnished unto all good works that's what the word of god is to do it's to equip us to produce in us the works of christ so not only know the sheep so to relate to the word of god but feed the sheep to be satisfied with the word of god that is part of the equipping process thirdly lead the sheep to walk in the word Lead the sheep to walk in the word. When we looked at the, the, uh, the character qualifications of an elder in 1 Timothy chapter 3, they were um, um, uh, character qualities that should be true as a pattern in the life of, believer, of the believer. And, and as I mentioned before, all those things are mentioned to all of us to be, to be important in our lives. When the elders, these need to be especially noticed. Uh, as, as as someone who is an example among you, and so uh, shepherding leadership and an elder is to lead the sheep to walk in the word as as they do. That's why Paul or James says that don't be very many teachers because that's a high calling. Lead the sheep to walk in the word. There's the idea of integrity here. Verse 19, he says, you know how I lived among you, serving in humility and tears and trials. Um, in verse twenty, he says that he talks about the boldness and not shrinking back and declaring the word of God, no matter what people might think, no matter whose feelings were hurt. He has to declare the word of God. In verse twenty-two, uh, he talks about the, the faith in God's word to obey. He might doesn't even know the consequences that are happening. Well, he's got to obey and do it because he doesn't count his own life dear. He has to see what Jesus has called him to, and that Jesus has given His blood for this church. In verse 24, the course is more important than his life. Someone who is entrusted with the Gospel, like an elder, has to be somebody who is going to die for the Gospel. They can't be blown with the winds. And verse twenty-eight, he tells them, "Pay careful attention to yourselves." So I've like made you an overseer. Lead the sheep in the Word. Verse thirty-three through thirty-five, his example. You know how I ministered. You know that 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 uh, it's more important to serve than to get. He says, "If you go with me to first... Peter chapter 5, lest you think leadership is a pounding the pulpit and saying, do what I say kind of a thing. We can say that if it's the word of God, but 1 Peter chapter 5 tells us that it's servant leadership. Because Peter, who remember in John, we read those words, some of the, some of the last words that Jesus gave to, to Peter um, before Jesus left the earth. Peter says, 1 Peter 5, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. I think Peter got it later on from what Jesus' words in John 21, because he says, feed the flock. And now he says, here's how to do it. taking the oversight thereof. That's the same word in the, um, that's used as a, of a bishop, an overseer. Not by constraint. But willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. Not in a dictator sense. So the leadership here is not a my way or the highway kind of a thing. It is examples of servant leadership. Why? Verse 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, here's the motivation, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Later on in Hebrews, it might have been earlier actually the Hebrews was written. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. The right of Hebrews says, Remember them which have the rule over you. Which, only one office that has the rule over you. It's the elders. Who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow. the idea again of leadership. Considering the end of their conversation. Then in verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Here's the reason, the theological reason behind it all, behind the command. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. That's why I think well, side note here that's why I think church membership is so important because it tells us who you know, we are ultimately responsible to those who have identified with us um, uh, here obey them have the rule over you submit yourselves they watch for your souls here so there is a leadership and leading the sheep to walk in the word that is the task of shepherd so there's another task here and I don't claim to have hit them all here I think the pastoral epistles really spell out Um, what the elders are, are supposed to do. But the fourth is this. Protect the sheep to guard with the word. Protect the sheep, guarding them with the word. Back in Acts 20 and verse 28. Paul says this. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. He says, pay close attention to yourselves and pay close attention to all the flock. Why? Because you're entrusted... Uh, uh, with them they, they, they've been given to you you have this stewardship here and you need to care for them and that's why you need to know them that's why, that's so you, that's why you need to feed them that you need to know them so that you can protect them as well because what's going to happen verse 29 and 30 is there's going to come wolves in among the flock and notice he says from among your own selves he's talking to the elders here that Paul's labored with apparently that happened Later on, Paul tells Timothy the things in the church of that need to be corrected. At verse 31, he says, Therefore watch, watch, and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Be alert. Paul said he admonished everyone with, with tears. It doesn't mean every time Paul spoke, he was, you know, always weeping here. But there were moments here where he had to pour his heart out and and, and remind them of, of the eternal glory and to not sacrifice on the on the altar the temporary, the permanent. Richard Baxter was a pastor in England in the 1600s, like 1500s, 1600s, over what was called the parish of Kiddermeister in England. And he has a very thick manual that he wrote on the care of souls. And he wrote a book on being a pastor that is still classic today. And he writes this in that book, he says, Oh then, let us hear these arguments of Christ, talking to fellow pastors. Whenever we feel ourselves grow dull and careless, did I die for these souls, and will not you look after them? Were they worth my blood, and are they not worth your labor? Did I come down from heaven to earth to seek and save that which was lost? And will you not go to the next door or street or village to seek them? How small is your condescension and labor compared to mine? I debased myself to this. But it is your honor to be so employed. There again is a picture there of owner and employer and employees. Have I done and suffered so much for their salvation? And was I willing to make you a fellow worker with me? And will you refuse to do that little which lies upon your hands? Richard Baxter. What a rebuke to myself as a pastor. A wise how is it possible to exercise shepherding leadership? It's only possible because of Christ. Christ is the ultimate shepherd leader. Christ is the one who, as Richard Baxter just waxed eloquently, is the one who came and condescended and humbled himself and labored among those, even those who would spite him across the face. Because in Hebrews chapter 12... He was able to persevere and go through this because Hebrews twelve two says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds see, this is a reminder to all of us in any phase of ministry, whether you're called to be an elder or not, that Jesus is our model. And that's why at the end of the book of Hebrews, in chapter 13, the writer of Hebrews closes out with this great benediction. He says this, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect, again complete, equipped, in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And those who may be feeling the calling and tug the work of an elder in your heart. And as that may or may not be affirmed by the congregation, we pray that God raises up elders in our midst. That's what we need to remember. That Jesus is the King of love and our shepherd. And all we are are under shepherds. For they watch for their souls as they that was given account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is profitable for you. Pray for your elder, your pastor, and pray for other elders that God will raise. About three weeks ago, I passed out a sheet of paper to you. And I asked you to consider on these character qualifications, specifically our members, who in this congregation you would see would fit these qualifications? Whether or not God is calling them to be an elder, that's a separate situation, but you need to have your eyes open and alert to the fact that there are men who may fit these qualifications. And God working over here in the congregation over here will bring out among us here men who God has raised up to be elders in our midst. And I trust here as we have worked through uh, who elders are, what they do, their character and today, um, their task, that God will do a great work in our church. Our church has grown. It has grown stronger. It has grown deeper. There are things, and as in any church, that we need to grow deeper in and grow away from. But I know this, that as God wants His church to continue, he is dead set on seeing leaders in it, and faithful Godly leaders. And that's why I ask that you pray for me, pray for others. So far, I received back one of those, um, and I trust that uh, those who haven't turned them in yet, you're still thinking, and I ask you to do so continue to do so and pray, as that helps confirm some things in my mind. As one of my tasks in 2 Timothy 2:2 is to teach faithful men and be able to teach others. I need the congregation along with me in order to make this all work well. Let's pray to that end. Our Heavenly Father,